Welcome back to the Cozy Cozy Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Kuzmeyers, and whether you're trying to conceive in the middle of a pregnancy, one day or one year postpartum, we are here to provide comfort and community for the entire perinatal journey. From birth stories of moms just like you and I, to my solo musings on the throes of motherhood and business, to powerhouse mamas making real change, we are here to support you so you can take out your AirPods, feel less alone, and more empowered to take on the day. Wherever you are, let's get cozy. Welcome back to the Cozy Cozy Podcast. Today we have a guest named Corinne Angelica, and she was connected to us through... Bridget Carroll, now Bridget Mallison, who is the founder of Gut Personal, an amazing supplement company. And Bridget and I actually went to college together, and I helped her start her first business, Well by Bridget, and I love everything she's doing in the world. She is a functional medicine dietitian, and so is Corinne Angelica, our guest today. And Corinne's specialty is in hormone health. And I use this session, we're going to call it a session with her today, to just pick her brain on all things fertility. I used all the different things that have come up on my infertility journey, as well as questions that my friends have asked me and things that have come up in my friends' fertility journeys. And if you didn't know, I am Garrett wood Cusmeyers. This podcast has been around for over five years, and I got pregnant with my son first try in 2020. And after that, I, well, actually, before I had my son, the podcast took a little bit of a turn into all the people and groups and organizations I was coming across that were supporting me on my pregnancy journey. I had no idea I would start a venture called Cozy Cozy that would be a perinatal products venture. It was not in the cards. Like It was not something I planned on. It found me, I had the desire to invent the world's first absorbent disposable bra and on the quest to develop that, which we are still in development with, we have since come out with Nip Gloss, which is a really easy to use ceramic head applicator, nipple and lip balm made of all natural materials in sustainable packaging. And I am so excited for 2024 because I am pregnant, like I'm not pregnant, but I, that's my mantra. I am pregnant this year, whether it is over the next six months, I am recording this in January of 2024, whether I get pregnant naturally or we do IVF in July, I know it is happening. And that is my mantra. And so it's interesting because I am also into astrology and Pisces is transiting my fifth house, which is all about like putting more structure around fifth houses, children, childbirth, fun, joy, expression, all of that. And Saturn's been transiting that since March of 2023. And that is when I hired a hormone coach. And that's is so interesting to me because the transit ends in May. And so maybe I will get pregnant before May, maybe not. But it's been so wild to see how real astrology is, like revamping how I think about my health, revamping how I think about childbirth, rethinking different options when it comes to conception, inventing an ergonomic peacock for collecting, you know, ovulation strips and or for testing for ovulation and pregnancy, which by the way, that is dropping this year. Um, I will put a link in the show notes to join our waitlist for that product. Um, it should be out in April, which is really exciting. But for me, I thought I knew a lot about, you know, 
health, functional health. I learned so much from Bridget from working with her over the years and from working with my current um, hormone health coach, Olivia Wagner. And still, I learned so much from Corinne today and I took away a lot. I really want to highlight the fact that I didn't realize just having one alcoholic drink will increase your estrogen by 10%. And obviously, the balance between uh, estrogen and progesterone is so important when you're trying to conceive. And so I am doing, we'll call it damp January. I was doing dry January and I had two drinks the other day, but it is very a damp month. I don't plan on drinking again the rest of the month. And so, and actually, if you guys are listening to this in February, um, that holds true. But I think that that is one area I have for improvement and continuing to reduce coffee and seeing if that helps my hormones. But such an interesting topic. I know so many people are struggling with fertility. So many people are struggling with their hormones after baby. Like I don't know what my thyroid antibodies were before baby, but after baby, I definitely have Hashimoto's. Could I have had it before? Yes. But having a baby is a hormonal event that can also onset Hashimoto's. So there's a lot to think about there. Um, I am so grateful that Corinne just truly sessioned out with me today because I needed this wisdom. I know you guys do too. I'm very excited for you to learn from her. So I'm just going to read you a little bit about her bio and then we'll get into the episode. Corinne is a board-certified holistic nutritionist, a podcaster, a speaker, specializing in period health and fertility. On her website, it says, I teach menstruators how to naturally activate their fertility and have a regular pain-free flow using proven strategies for long-term sustainable success. She's the founder of the Mind Your Hormones Method, which is all about addressing the root cause of your symptoms and healing it naturally using a holistic approach. She is so much fun. She's so much energy. She's also postpartum herself. She has a seven-month-old right now, and I just love her approach to all of this. I think one of the interesting parts of our conversation was just how to support your body coming off of the pill as well. So I'm really excited for you guys to learn from her today. So let's just get into it. I welcome Corinne Angelica. Corinne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Selfishly, I'm excited because I get to pick your brain on all things fertility and hormones. Uh, the listeners know that I'm on a secondary infertility journey, so I hope that anyone else listening gleans some wisdom from you today. Uh, but before we get into the meat of it, I would love to ask you the question that we're asking everybody, which is, who are you before labels, titles, or what someone could Google about you? This is such a good I've never been asked this before. So this is such a good question. And I'm like, I really should probably be thinking about this more. Um, the like first thing that comes to mind is just like a light. Like I just feel like um like I am meant to light the world in a certain way, like light up rooms, light up like dark corners of things that people like aren't willing to talk about or like shed light on that I'm like bold enough to talk about, like the stuff in the medical system that I think is messed up and you know, just like things within our body that people maybe might not want to talk about, like their facial hair or like their cervical mucus and like stuff like this that I'm just like so willing to talk about. So a light is just like what first popped into my head when you asked me that. Mm, I love that for so many reasons. And even just <laughs> that you touched on the medical system, which I'm sure we will get into today. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel that. And I think <laughs> it's also something hopeful about 
being a light and for your clients to get to work with you because going through fertility and fertility, it is so, it can be so dark. And so every month can feel so long. And so Mm. I'm sure that that lightness brings some like levity to the situation. Mm, Um, and I just, I, uh, being on the side of it, working with someone on my hormones as well for the last year has been such a journey. So I'm excited mm-hmm. to um, kind of get into it. And I guess yeah. before going into your business and your journey, one thing we were talking about offline is this notion of stress, because I had shared with you that I was seven days late on my last cycle and I've haven't been late since I got my period back after breastfeeding two years ago. Mm. And I was like, this feels like a sick joke because I got pregnant <laughs> yeah. and oh, I wasn't. Um, and so I would love to just kind of talk, um, ask you about stress and then cycle length and like mm-hmm. how and why do cycle lengths change and mm-hmm. to add an extra layer. And I'll remind you, if you don't forget this part of the question, <laughs> um, do cycle lengths change after baby? Does having a baby influence that? Mm, oh my God. So good. Okay. So The thing is with having a late period, your period isn't actually late. You ovulated late. So Mm. like, it's impossible to have a luteal phase longer than really 16 days. And if you're listening to this, your luteal phase is the 10 to 14 days. It really is 14 days, but you could give a little leeway, but the 10 to 14 days before you actually get your period. So a lot of times people will think that their period is late. If it's coming later than usual, if like you're used to having a 29 or 30 day cycle. And you're like, holy shit, I'm on day 37 and I haven't got my period yet. This is why I'm so huge on actually tracking your ovulation, not just with an app or LH strips or like, you know, looking at your app, like, oh, it said I had, I ovulated because the flower is here, like actually tracking and confirming your basal body temperature. Because when you do that, you will see exactly like, oh, maybe I ovulated later. So that means my period is now going to come later. So it's really that the ovulation is what's, is really what, uh, determines when your period is coming or not. And stress plays a huge role in ovulation. And this is why it's very common around the holidays too, especially we're around family more, we're busy more, we're maybe eating differently, drinking more, whatever it is, there's more stress on our body and our reproductive system is not vital to our survival. Like it's will immediately be turned off or delayed if our body does not feel safe, if it feels like it's not the best time to get pregnant. And that could be stress from under eating, overeating, under exercising, over exercising, toxins coming into our bodies, like stored traumas, whatever it is. So a lot of times what happens around this time of year is that we're super stressed and our ovulation will just take a pause and we don't ovulate when we quote unquote normally do. And that's why your period comes later. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes so much sense. And I think that it that's the part that I think it can be really frustrating when you're in, when you're trying to conceive, but also it's sort of magical because I got pregnant having sex one time the first month I tried mm-hmm. and the month prior to the month I conceived my cycle, I, I guess the two months before it was like, I had a 44 day cycle, which was like, I was like, I don't know what's going on. Mm. Then I had a 21 day cycle. And then the mm. next month I conceived, it was almost like yeah, my little guy was just like, I need to be conceived here. I need to be born here. And it was like, he was orchestrating it. It almost mm-hmm. made 100%. sense scientifically. Yeah. Uh, but when you're in the process of tracking and peeing on your hand on the ovulation strips all the time and doing all this, it's like, it's just, you want the firm data. Um, mm-hmm. And the kind of follow-up question on stress I have for you, because I know this is not only a hot topic on social um, and just in our cultural zeitgeist of wellness right now, but I personally do it. We have a cold plunge, 
there's a lot mm-hmm. of talk about cold plunge and there's a lot of talk about sauna. And mm-hmm. I've been cold plunging um, maybe like six months now mm-hmm. regularly. And my hormone coach was like, you know, maybe we need to pull that back. Like there, cause that's you stress. Like it, it's supposedly a positive stress, but it's still a lot on the body. Like we're doing like 40 degree temperatures. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the other day I was gifted a sauna blanket for mm. Christmas and having had mold in my system, like, it's great for me to do that. But I felt my heart starting to race during it. I'm like, mm. okay, maybe this is too much for my body. So yeah. talk about like, cause I know the other conversation piece is, um, too much exercise, right. When we're talking about fertility. So like totally. what stress is good versus bad. Yeah. I love this question. So the cold plunges like, and just cold temperatures, it is good for your nervous system. It does help regulate your nervous system. So that's kind of like the, besides like it being anti-inflammatory and all of that, which is kind of like the flex of it, why people are like talking about it and doing it. But from, I'm not like a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner or anything like that, but I do like, I learned about it in my training and I do like some of those principles. So when like speaking from like a traditional Chinese medicine standpoint and fertility, it's really important to warm the body and warm the reproductive organs up. Um, because if you're like, even like walking outside when it's cold, making sure your ankles are covered, making Mm -hmm. sure your mid section is covered, your neck is covered because there are channels like meridians in your body that are on your ankles ankles on your midsection that go to your reproductive organs. And if they're cold, whether that's from cold weather, sitting on cold, like bleachers, if you're like at your kid's soccer game and you're not like dressed properly or something, doing a cold plunge, like eating really cold foods, it could constrict the blood flow to your reproductive organs. So that's like where my head immediately goes for like not wanting to do extreme cold plunges and stuff like that when you are trying to conceive. Um, Not so much from a stress perspective. It can be too, but for me, it's more so the constricting of like the actual blood flow. Um, So that's where I would say I'd be more I would like you more to do the heat side of it. But again, it's always like listening to your body for you. That may have been too much where you're like, okay, my heart is racing. Like everyone again has different thresholds for stress and for things in your life. So you also have to think about like, okay, what is going on in my life that maybe because I have a lot of stress in my day-to-day right now, I'm starting a new business. I'm getting something lifted off the ground for this. My child is a toddler, like having to pull back in other areas because your body does have a specific stress threshold and really having the discernment around what that looks like for you. Um, Mm -hmm. because it's different for every single person. Some people have more capacity than others. Um, and like knowing how to work on it. I know it's not like a clear cut answer, so that could be really annoying, but that's like kind of really what it is. (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's valid because that sense of tuning into ourselves is something a lot of us don't do enough. And when I was feeling that way in the sauna, I was like, oh, this is like me noticing that I think this is too hard for me today. Mm -hmm. Like this is like, you know, it's like the person who realizes maybe they shouldn't do sprints on the treadmill every morning, you know, on an empty stomach. It's like, okay, maybe we need to like kind of feel into what's actually helping versus like what the mind's just like barking at us. Mm-hmm. And um, it can also be like you said, like this day, it might be just too mm-hmm. much today. Also this time in my cycle, like it, it depends on what's going on in your day to day that day. It depends on where you're at in your cycle. Like it's, we're very cyclical beings. Our hormones are constantly, when you are not on hormonal birth control, when you are actually getting a natural cycle, when you're not pregnant, like you were hormonal, like your hormones are shifting all the time. So like things are going to change, which means you need to change what you're doing. 
Yes. And something else you said is the notion of fight or flight. And as a toddler mom, I'm like Mm. so present to just as a kind of silly example, but for anyone who doesn't have kids that's listening or thinking about having kids, like I was joking the other day to one of my friends who doesn't have kids. I'm like, you don't understand. Like when I said I was 20 minutes late to call you, it's because I had to quickly undress my son and just get him in the bath. And then my husband was going to take over and he had like pooped in his undies and then the, the poop fell on the floor. Then he so actually real. stepped in the poop and then yeah. I stepped in the poop and we're all in the bath. And I'm it's like, that's so why it's real. 40 minutes, which is like, it's like true fight or flight because you're like, oh, don't step in the poop or oh, don't jump off of that. And mm-hmm. that level of operating is a lot mm-hmm. on the system. And then you add in business and you add in all these other things. Mm-hmm. And so- that um, I think for me, it's really being present to kind of coming down from mm-hmm. bite or flight um, and coming home to my body. But one of the things, and then yeah. I'll get, I want to get into your backstory. That's also top of mind for me is I went off a of birth control or an IUD nine months before I conceived. And those your first child, my first. Okay. And um, four of those months were the pandemic. So I had a mm-hmm. lot of time to like l- listen and feel into, because I didn't have a kid yet. We're all stuck at home. I had a lot of time to feel into my cycle. Mm-hmm. So on the topic of like kind of tuning into our body and understanding where we are and how we are, like, how do you talk to people about getting off the pill? And, um, I'm sure a lot of your clients ask you this, but I remember my doctor telling me when I got the IUD that the return to fertility rate was so high and that was just what to expect. But now at 33, I've had two friends that had a quick, like got pregnant the next month, but Mm -hmm. everyone else I know is not having that experience. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, like just talking about, talk to us about getting off the pill, kind of getting how to kind of get to know your cycle and then the return to fertility rate. Yeah. Okay. I love that. So the thing is with birth control that a lot of people don't know, cause no one tells you is that you're actually not ovulating when you're on birth control, right? Specifically the pill, the over, uh, the NuvaRing, the depot shot, the implant, like your ovulation is completely turned off, right? The communication from your brain to your ovaries is not actually working anymore. So when you get off of it, your body has to relearn how to actually do that on its own with your natural hormones, because on top of your, that communication, not being present, you are negatively impacting your gut and your liver and your blood sugar and your thyroid. It's depleting you of key nutrients. So it's like your body is functioning under synthetic hormones and it's being negatively impacted every day. For some reason, we don't think of it like as a medication. We're just like, I'm just like on birth control, but like it is a medication that you're taking every single day. Most of the people I work with have been on it for at least a decade, if not two, um, because most people are started when they're teens, whether, or low twenties, whether that's for I'm sexually active now and I want to prevent pregnancy or a lot of people honestly go on it because their doctor is like, okay, we need to go on this to regulate your period, which that's not actually what it's doing. That's completely false information. You're not even getting a period on birth control. It's a withdrawal bleed from the medication. When they first made birth control, they didn't even have that bleed in there, but people were like, wait, am I pregnant? What's going on? So they, they put the sugar pills in there. So you made yourself think that like, oh, I'm bleeding and beginning a period, but you're actually not getting a period. And if you went on it because your period was irregular, because you had, this is like really specific for the people who are having issues conceiving now. If if it's because if you went on the birth control, whatever type that it is, IUD also has their own issues because um, you had an irregular period, you had PCOS, your, your cramps were really, really painful. They were really, really heavy. That 
what was causing that to happen then did not go away. It was not healed. A bandaid was just put on it. It's like your fire alarm is going off and you're just sitting there with like earplugs in. And then once you stop taking the birth control, all of that's going to come rushing back times 10 because now you have to do damage control of replenishing the nutrients that were um, negatively, you know, decreased during your time of taking this medication rebalancing your gut, your liver, your blood sugar, all of that. So, mm. um, the, the actual people will say, which in the science is like, it doesn't technically reduce your fertility, but it does lengthen the amount of time that it will take you to get pregnant. So mm. if you, so I always recommend like in an ideal situation, I would want my client to be off of birth control for at least two years before you start trying to get pregnant. That's like in an ideal situation. I also do not want you to just stop taking birth control. And a lot of people will, once they start hearing this information, they're like, holy shit, I'm starting, I'm stopping tomorrow. And like, yes, I want you to get off of it, but I want you to do, I want you to replenish your nutrient density. You have to be on a specific supplement protocol before you stop so that you yeah. don't have these post-birth control syndromes that a lot of people are experiencing where the period is just MIA or their acne is coming back like crazy or they're having fertility struggles, whatever it is. And like you said, there's always going to be that person where they get pregnant while they're on birth control or they stop and then they get pregnant right away. Like, of course that can happen. But for me, the goal isn't just to get pregnant. It's to get pregnant, to stay pregnant, to have a healthy pregnancy and to rebalance postpartum with more ease. And all of that is really dependent on your preconception health. So even if you can get pregnant the month after stopping birth control, I don't want you to. Like I want you to have more of that space so that you can really rebalance and support your body in a better way um, before you actually get pregnant. Oh my gosh. I am just like thinking of all the people that I want to hear this right now because it's just, <laughs> such a, it's just information that we're not given. We are nope. not being informed before we're putting mm -hmm. things in our body. And my saving grace, which is actually kind of a connection between you and I, is that I was working with Bridget right before I stopped birth control. And so I was already doing a great supplement protocol. Mm -hmm. I started seeing, she used to live, um, in Boston, in like Boston proper. She was in Cambridge. I was in Cambridge and, um, started seeing her acupuncturist who specialized in fertility. So Amazing. I had a lot of support coming off of it. And I had what I would consider like a very graceful transition, which was, and great. you can have that. Like yeah. that's, that's like what we want. Yeah. And I'm so grateful. I just, cause I've heard now, like as other friends are coming out of it, the horror stories, um, mm -hmm. and then the pandemic slowed me down. So I also got more sleep and I just, everything was perfectly timed. So those nine months leading up to, it wasn't two years, but nine months, first try great. Yeah. pregnant. Great. And so now on the other side of the coin, um, we, I didn't do my thyroidal antibodies. I think I'm saying that right before mm -hmm. I had my son and my mom has thyroid issues. So I, I could have had them all along. I'm, we're not sure. Um, but I did come back with Hashimoto's because of these elevated thyroid antibodies. Mm. Um, over the last, I would say seven months, I have reduced my TSH from 2.25 to 1.67. Not that 2.25 was awful, right? It wasn't Bad. It's high. Like I, my coach was like, I'd lower. like it to be lower. Yeah. <laughs> that, like oh the God, doctor. Yeah. Doctor's not going to tell me that. They're like, no. oh, you're good. You're good. Everything's good. They wouldn't well, even bodies on blood work. The normal ranges are not optimal ranges. It's just the average of what everybody is having around. So it's like the normal ranges will leave you feeling like shit. Like you yeah. want to have optimal ranges. So, but that also, I didn't know that about you, but the heat thing could be the thyroid issue. Really? Too. 
So like if, right. like, if ever you feel like you're, um, when you're really hot, your fingers swell or your feet yes. swell, if that happens, or like you're working out and all of a sudden you'll feel like if you're holding dumbbells or something, your hands, like that's a thyroid yep. thing. Interesting. Okay. Now I'm going to pay more attention. To Sorry that. to cut you off, but I no, no, I it's so helpful. <laughs> I just think kind of on the, in the vein of like the medical system, like I, and I, I know so many women have also been through this and, um, there's a whole other thinking of another company that I want to shout out in a minute, but basically at nine months of trying during those first nine months, I had come off of breastfeeding. I had my own wedding. I had mm. three other weddings. I had a lot of stress. So I was like, I'm not too worried about it, but I'm also like, I want to get curious. Yeah. My, OB, my OB said, we won't run blood work because we till don't know year. how to manage it. And we won't even look at you till a year. Yeah. So I went back at a year. Such a joke. They, and at the time when I went in, I had also hired a hormone coach who was like, Hey, when you go in, give them this blood work to run. They mm. looked at it and they said, we won't run this because you're young and healthy. And I was like, I'm here because so I annoying. haven't been getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so one just quick shout out, cause it's coming to mind. I don't want to forget it is my like best friend from third grade is a guy and he works for posterity health. And when he heard this and tell him everything's like one of my best friends, he was like, get your husband tested, like use posterity health. Oh, that's so funny. I just, as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, I wonder if she had her husband get looked at. at. Right? <laughs> so he was like, funny. He was like, so many women have to wait a year. And he's like, that's a whole other conversation about mm-hmm. why he goes. But in the meantime, let's get Jeff tested because mm-hmm. it could be him. We don't know. And if he hasn't been, so we did the at-home test through them and got everything squared away. Luckily, everything was fine. But um, yeah, 40 I, to 50% of infertility is male factor related. And a lot of people don't know that because it's always- always directed at the woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, my doctor didn't suggest it. It didn't come up in that conversation. It was just my best friend being like, Hey, check this out. Like I'll help you. I'll get you so a test. Um, and so it's been obviously quite the ride, but the more I talk about it, the more people come out and share with me that, you know, they're going through it too. And so it's mm-hmm. so nice to talk to people like yourself yeah. that are knowledgeable and can actually like speak truth to what is actually happening and where can you get those resources? So before we go into more of your resources and the work you do, I would love to know, like, what got you into this? Like, did you always know you wanted to help women with, women with this? Did you always want to go the functional route? Um, and what was your uh, fertility journey like? Yeah, I love this question. Okay, so no, I was not. I was a teacher. So I, well, when I, it's so funny because when I was a kid, I've, I've always been obsessed with babies, like obsessed since I was literally like five years old. I would go and like play with my friends, but they would have like a little sister or brother and I would want to like be with the baby. Like I've just always loved babies. Um, So at one point in life, I wanted to be a neonatal nurse, but then once I got older, I was like, I don't like the hours. And like, I don't want to have to deal with like the heartbreak that comes with working with neonatal, like, you know, infants, whatever. So I became a teacher and I was a teacher for nine years. I taught Spanish and ESL, uh, ENL English is a new language. And most of the high school setting, I taught like every single grade over the almost decade that I was a teacher. Um, but I knew I was not going to stay a teacher. Like I did not like it for probably the, like, eight years I was in it. Like I really, it was just not, I just went in it because I didn't know what else to do. Like I don't have any entrepreneurs in my family. Like I never really saw another path. So I got my master's in everything. Like I was just like doing the whole thing, but I was just always not loving. I knew I wasn't going to stay in it, but I didn't know what was going to actually happen. But then I started experiencing my own health issues, which is how most people get into this field. Um, I was someone who I didn't get my period till I was about 15 and a half. And then I would get a period about 
about three times a year. And I never knew that that was a problem because my gynecologist was always like, it's totally fine. Like as long as you get three periods a year, nothing to worry about, like you're good to go. You know, if, and when you want to get pregnant, like maybe we'll have to like, you know, do something about it. And I was young. I'm like, okay, cool. My doctor said it's fine. Like whatever. Um, so, and I was like, great. Who wants your period every month anyway? Like that was like my mentality around it. But then um, after college, because when I went to college and I was drinking a ton, I was barely sleeping, like I was having cloth all the time, like I was treating my body like shit, like most college kids do. And everything came to a head um, after I graduated. I was like super puffy. I was like definitely had, I'm really tiny. I'm five one, So I had like even five pounds. You could notice like a lot on someone really tiny. So I had like excess weight on me. But then I started experiencing a lot of gut issues. I was super bloated all the time. I was constipated. I was getting monthly migraines. I had body rashes all over me. Like my period was, again, was still really irregular. And then it went completely missing for two years. So like all of this stuff kept happening and I would go to the dermatologist. I'd go to the neurologist. I'd go to the gynecologist and every blood work came back normal. Everything was like, everything is fine. Da, da, da. And I'm like, this is not fine. Like, how is this normal? So I started looking into nutrition and I was started reading books and doing all this stuff and saw like an immediate change in everything over the, over the years where long story short, I haven't had a migraine in like a decade. I got my period back. I regulated it out, found out I do have PCOS, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And, um, everyone was telling me that it wasn't because my levels weren't, you know, in the range that it needed to be in whatever, all that bullshit, which is why I'm like, you don't need necessarily need blood work because it's not always accurate. Like I just, it's, that's a whole nother conversation, but anyway. Um, so that's how I got into the nutrition world. And during COVID I was still teaching and, um, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like before the pandemic hit, I remember it was like the week before schools got shut down. I was crying to one of my coworkers. Like, I can't do this anymore. I hate it so much. Like I just want to be able, and I had started taking clients and stuff, went back to school for nutrition, all of that. Um, I was like, I just wish I would be able to like do it full time. And then that week, everything shut down. And I was like, this is my time to build up this business because I'm sitting at home. Yep. We were barely teaching. Like it was a complete joke. No one knew what was going on at this point. So, um, that's when I built up the business. I started like really helping people specifically with PCOS at the time I left teaching in August of 2020. I started my podcast, like all the things. Um, and then it just like kind of morphed into, specifically helping people get pregnant because I saw there was so many people coming to me with that. Um, and because I have PCOS. So I also now have at the time I was recording a seven month old baby girl. Um, and I got pregnant like you on the very first try. Um, and we got pregnant in September of 2022. Yeah. 2022. Um, and you had an amazing, beautiful pregnancy, unmedicated birth, like all the things. Wow. So I just love supporting women, especially about PCOS, but a lot of my clients don't with like really supporting their fertility naturally, because a lot of people will be told when you go to the gynecologist, if you have PCOS specifically, okay, just come back when you're ready to get pregnant. We'll give you Clomid. We'll just start doing all this, all this right away, or you start IVF and like there's a time and place for IVF and all of that. I'm never going to say like hundred percent of people will never have to do that. Yeah. But what is most important for me is like, even if that's the route you end up going, there's still so much you need to do in your body to increase your chances of that even working. Cause so many people go through multiple, multiple, multiple rounds 
because they're not preparing their body for it. So anyway, um, that's like a little nutshell of why oh, I'm I love work. it <laughs> so much. I like have such a similar journey with like going to different departments. Like let's mm-hmm. try dermatology. Let's try neurology. I'm having joint pain, like all these things. And then my gut. And I actually, mm-hmm. so I went to college with Bridget, but I started kind oh, okay. of DIYing like my health and posting about it. Cause mm-hmm. I did a bunch of um, online coaching for the last 10 years. And um, she was like, what are you taking? Like, call me, like, do not take that. Like I was, yeah, like, knows yeah. what I was posting and she's like, call me. And so we did a bunch of gut health work in 2017 and then did like, a, then I kind of like was on like a, what do you want to call it? Like a generalized, just like stable, good, easy supplement protocol 2018, then retested in 2019. Anyway, it was so informative and so helpful because I realized like there is, there are people out there that can help you. And yes. you don't have to go to your traditional doctor because unfortunately they're not educated in it. And exactly. Like they I have just, zero education nothing. in nutrition. Yeah. And by OB, when I was asking about like getting the blood and they weren't saying anything, I was like, so you don't want me to get healthy. You don't want to look at my vitamin levels. You don't want to talk. Like I was being a bulldog as my husband calls me sometimes. <laughs> like you need someone to push back at how little 100%. you're actually providing. And what they did on my year appointment was they handed me a card for IVF and yeah. I have actually been talking about my, um, we, we basically spent last summer going through all the testing. Do I still have eggs? Did I have uterus damage from my childbirth? Like, mm-hmm. is my husband okay? Yada, yada. Everything was good except my thyroid antibodies. Mm-hmm. And in October, the IVF doctor was like, okay, so if you wire us, you know, the $15,000, like, we'll just get you on that pill for a month. We'll take the shots. We'll do the retrieval. Like you say when, and we were like, my husband does not want to do it. It's he, and he's even more intuitive than I am. And I'm like, yeah, I don't feel called to this, but my mm-hmm. hormone coach keeps bringing me back to like, look, you know, your body can do this because mm-hmm. it's done right. it before. And right. if it was meant to do it, it would. Mm-hmm. So like, let's not put an embryo in there just because of a timeline, mm-hmm. because yes. their chances of it working may not be there. Um, and it's so emotionally taxing. It's so physically taxing. Like, and again, this isn't to say like, if you've done IVF or you're going to like that, that's quote unquote bad, but it's a problem for me that the doctors aren't like, okay, try this, this, and this first do this, this, and this first to like, make sure that you will hopefully have a successful transfer right away because I've rarely heard anyone doing just one. Like I've heard people do two rounds, three rounds, four rounds. Like it's wild. And it's for a reason though. Exactly. And they, she just, she didn't want to know about what supplements I was on. Mm -hmm. She was like, well, you don't, as long as your TSH is, you know, normal, which at the time she was getting the 2.25, she's like, it's fine enough for us. Like we can put you on some medication to dose that down. Or I forget her language around it. Yeah. And she just didn't even want to look into it. And it was, it was a little bit disheartening for me because I thought like, maybe medically I'm going to get an answer here versus just saying like, let's put an embryo in. Mm -hmm. And so we're, you know, candidly, we're kind of at a point where I'm still my protocol. I'm working on getting out of fight or flight. I'm Mm -hmm. doing all the things, um, continuing to work on my gut health. And, um, I think our kind of cutoff is like July. We're like, let's Mm -hmm. give it six more months, Mm -hmm. tone the stress down and see what happens. I think it's, I think if I had never had a child naturally, I would be like, of course, this is what I do. And, but because I had that experience of a really healthy, easy pregnancy, Mm -hmm. I really want to trust in that kind of like, let's, 
let's yeah. push it off. But it, it's a hard decision. And um, totally. I, I don't know scientifically, you probably know better than I do, but the way that I've been described the hormones and the meds and everything that you have to take to go through IVF is, isn't it also, it is a stressor on the body. Oh my God. It's like one of the most stressful processes you can go through. Like the amount, the dosage of hormones that you're given at one time, it's like, it's a lot on your body and it's, the mental aspect of it too, is like, you feel like everything is right. It's like, like you said, $15,000. So it's like, this has to work like this has. So it's like, you're gripping onto it so tightly. Like, and for most of the clients that I'm working with too, who have been trying to conceive mostly four months or more, could be, they've been trying for four months up to like four years. It's like, at this point, it's the mental game is what it is. Like, that's, what's the hardest part. It's like, you know, I could take the supplements. I can make these changes. I could do that, but it's like, really working on like the belief that it could happen to you. The like getting regulating your nervous system is the hardest part because you are like that two week wait, like all of this. That's why working with someone, like I'm so glad you have someone to support you through that because it could be really hard to do on your own, or at least like even having friends that are going with it, growing through it with you. A lot of times you're the only person in your friend group that this is going on, you know, like, or people aren't talking about it, but Um, and for the secondary infertility, I think it's, I don't, I don't know the percentage at all. So I'm just saying what I'm seeing is like, it could be more common because you obviously have so much more stress and your sleep is less. Like when you have a kid, it's just a totally different ball game. Um, so of course it's going to affect you in such a different way than when, you know, you're getting pregnant for the very first time. So it's, there's just so many layers to it. Um, but I really like. I also like working with my clients on trusting that like your baby soul exists and they're just coming in when they're ready to come in. So like there's parts to all of it. Like pregnancy really is a miracle. Like it truly is. It's absolutely insane what your body does. It blows my mind. Like just randomly, I'll be like, I can't believe like, yeah. I just, I cannot <laughs> believe my daughter was the size yeah. of a blueberry in my body. And like, I birthed her out. Like it's completely yeah. insane. Um, so like we, you could strategize the shit out of it, but like, there is a miraculous side of it too. So like having Mm -hmm. to tap into that, whether you believe in the universe, God, sort of whatever it is, like really knowing that that is a piece to it as well. And that could kind of help bring like a little bit more. I think there's a book that's called spirit babies. I don't know if your community. yeah, Yeah. Like, um, that could be something that could be really supportive for you to just like have that side, at least you're like, okay, I'm good with this piece, right? Like I could help hold on to that belief. Um, yeah. and you could like tap into that energy too. Absolutely. I was literally just going to talk about kind of the timing of it, especially mm-hmm. because I have a friend who mentioned the other day, she's like, I've been trying for four months now and it just feels like what the heck. And I can so relate. Cause I remember thinking like six months would be a long time to try nine months. And now here I am at two years. Lot, and in yeah. hindsight, it's really weird to say it out loud. Cause I'm like, I'm a fit, athletic, healthy person. I've got the antibodies, but like everything else is kind of, you know, in check. And one of the things I just feel like maybe you run into this with clients that is what I kind of got caught up in is one, my mom had us all back to back to back. And since I saw that, it was almost like, oh, that's what you do. Mm. So at nine months, I was like, oh, I should start trying because I'm just finishing up breastfeeding. Like, let's go. And then- Oh, so you started trying when you were nine months postpartum. 
Yeah. Wow. Because it was just like, oh, look, that's what you do. It was like this. Mm. Weird that's what you saw. That's what I saw. That's my subconscious. Mm. And I was like, but I think in the back of my head, I was also like, but it's fine if I don't. And then right. later I was like, well, I had my wedding. I had three other weddings. I hosted a retreat. Like mm-hmm. I started a new venture. Like, you know, it's fine. And then, then all of 2023, I was kind of like, putting that pressure on it. And I think when you, and you can relate launching courses, launching a Mm -hmm. podcast, all of this, it's like, I was, we launched our first product in September. I'm like, I was postpartum with a product. Like that is a thing. Like there is a post, like there was a three month period of like not even knowing what way it was up or down. And so now I can sit oh back. Oh my God. Like, yeah. Like this was crazy. I also joke that I have the worst sleeper in America. My son is almost three. Well, he'll be three in April, but like still doesn't sleep. And mm. so I'm like, there's a lot of confounding factors as to like why my body is, but one stat, 100%. and I don't have heard of this, but one, my sister-in-law um, used to be a research analyst. So now she like kind of uses that in motherhood, even though like, she's not oh, a coach, cool. she just like looks into everything. Yeah. She said she found a stat that said that women's bodies are much more at their, like, cause we know we do go through mineral depletion, but that two years post breastfeeding mm-hmm. is when your body would be more optimal. Like there's, I, I was just gone. When you were talking, so- I was like nine months. I was about to say like, it takes two years for your body yes. to okay. really like get back to, and I don't even want to say get back because this never happens, but to like minerals, right. To fully heal, like to yeah. fully heal. And like, we think, okay, six weeks, you're healed. You can have sex again. You can work out again. Like da, 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 da. my gyno told me that in my four week postpartum. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, so what birth control is? I'm like, uh, birth control right now is we're not having sex yet. Um, yeah. and like, I'm not ready for that. Thank you. Um, yeah. I just pushed a human out of my vagina. Like, I'm just, I'm not ready for that right now. Anyway, um, anyway, so yeah, it's like two years because you're like, it's so insane. Like, when you think about, first of all, pregnancy is incredibly energy, energy intensive. Mm-hmm. birthing a baby is like a marathon like in and of Iron itself, Man. Yeah. literally. And then breastfeeding, I forget the exact number, but it's like, you're running like a marathon a day. Pretty much is like the energy that it takes yes. for your body to actually produce milk. Yeah. And you are not only like healing just physically from birth, from pregnancy, but you're also now taking care of another human on the least amount of sleep you've ever had in your life. You're obviously like probably eating differently. You're not as conscious, especially in the beginning, you're just like doing whatever you can. So like your body is, is taking a hit in so many different ways. And like, it's just really now, like I'm like seven months postpartum. I'm like, okay, I'm like feeling like good. Like I, you know, I'm like, getting more into like my business and stuff again, but like, I'm no way ready to have a kid again yet. Um, but yeah, it takes a while. Like, cause you're, you're taking care of yourself. You're taking care of another human. You just went through such an energy intensive thing. Like it's a lot. Well, and the, so the doctor had told me at my six week, cause you know, offering me birth control. I was like, I never want to be on that ever again. Yeah. No, thank Um, you. (laughs) she, She was like, you really, but, but you need to, you need to, you know, scientifically, you know, you need 18 months between the start of a pregnancy till the start of a next. And so no, like that, like stuck with me. And so I hit that, like, I guess he was, whenever that happened, I was like, oh, it's been 18 months. Like that I I'm ready, which was kind of like, his not nine months when I first started trying, but like the next summer. And I just felt like, okay, that's it. But when my sister-in-law said to me, like the end of the pregnancy, not the start of it. 
Oh, yes. I would say. And that. And when she said two years post breastfeeding because Mm. of how intensive that is, I was like, oh, that's this month. Like that's this month. And what's so interesting is, of course, I had that drive because that's what I saw. That's what got imprinted in zero to seven of my life. But one Mm -hmm. of my closest friends um, was an only child. Mm -hmm. And now our kids are the exact same age, like a couple days apart. And she's now at two years post breastfeeding. She's like, she was like, uh, for a while, like, I just don't even want anymore. Can't handle it. Can't do it. Too tired. My body's yeah. not ready anyway. She's finally to the point where she's like, huh, maybe it's not a no. And mm-hmm. I'm over here like, oh, maybe my body's actually ready. So we kind of got to the same place. It's so it funny. That being two years after breastfeeding. Yeah. Just, I think it's important to highlight because I don't know what your TikTok shows you or what your Instagram does, but the two under two thing is like in your face. Yeah. And I, so it's so funny because it's what you see also when you grew up, like my sister and I were five years apart. Um, and my sister has two kids and they're like four years apart. So like, I never wanted two under two because yeah. like you said, it's what I saw. Yeah. Um, but I did, I do want them closer in age than like my sister and I, like five years, I think it's too much, especially like I'm 34. My husband is older. He's going to about to be 43. So like that in and of itself, I'm like, I would, but I don't even want to entertain the thought until like two years postpartum of just like, okay, like maybe now we'll like start doing it. So they'll be like three years apart. Like I want my body to fully like heal, have time, like, especially I'm still breastfeeding. I want to breastfeed for a while, but, yeah. um, there's, yeah, there's some, but there's always like people talking too of like, oh no, it's better to have them close together. Oh no, it's better to have them far apart yeah. because then the older one can help the young one. It's like, it, it there's pros and cons to every single thing. It's like, what problem do you actually want to have? Because there's yeah. always going to be problems. There's always going to be a challenge. Like there's always going to be a challenge. So it's like, which one do you actually want to have? And also like, for me, it's just getting back to like my body and okay. Yeah. Maybe I could get pregnant and have two under two, but like, is that what's best for me? Because if I'm so depleted, like how am I going to show up to these two babies that I now have? If I'm like just killing myself just to like get in this timeline, you know? Yeah, that's it. There's it's just such a like you mentioned, such a physical um challenge too that like you're showing up mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Feeling like you Ooh. ran an Iron Man when you're exhausted, like you just want to lay down like physically. Um, Even at the end of the day, you're like, damn, I just ran a marathon today. Yeah. All right, let's yeah. that's your bedtime. And then like they'll be up in another two hours. <laughs> Here <we> yeah. Are. <laughs> it's so hard. And I think people like you don't really know and no, and you don't know till you know. It's just it's just one of those things. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to share with someone who's like newly pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. I want to pick your brain for any of the pregnant people listening on some pregnancy stuff. But before yeah. I do, if anyone out there is just starting a fertility journey, they mm-hmm. haven't done any data collection yet. Because I know that's, I mean, I believe it's very important. But mm-hmm. let's say they're like, I don't really want to overthink it. I'm not financially, I can't go through that. What are your top like preconception priorities for women? And then we'll Mm -hmm. talk top priorities for pregnancy. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Number one is nutrient density and being on like high quality, at least there's so there's more supplements than you need than a prenatal, but a lot of people will just start taking a prenatal, like once they start trying or the one that their doctor prescribed or the one in CVS and like all those are complete garbage. Um, so like really making sure that you're taking high quality supplementation because the first trimester, your baby is actually getting the majority of the nutrients off of your nutrient stores, not off of the nutrients you're currently intaking. Um, and obviously it's going to support your, your, 
your ovulation and everything. Your ovaries need specific nutrients to ovulate. So really making sure that you're on high quality supplementation is so, so huge for me. Um, an omega is really important. Vitamin D magnesium. Like these are ones that I really want you to be specifically taking to make sure that you are having nutrient density within your body. Because again, your reproductive system is not vital to your survival. So your body's going to allocate whatever nutrients you do have to your most life like life surviving things that you need in your body. And then any F any leftover, then they'll take care of your ovaries. Then they'll take care of your reproductive system. So nutrient density is really huge for me. Um, so that would be the first thing that I would say. The second thing that I would say is your blood sugar. Um, really regulating your blood sugar is extremely important for your fertility. And a lot of people will dysregulate this without even knowing it by having coffee first thing in the morning without having food first, um, by skipping meals, by going too long in between meals and doing intermittent fasting. Um, all of these things are things that are thrown into our face as they're like good things to do, right? Like start your day with coffee and like coconut oil or go 16 hours between dinner and breakfast or, um, you know, if you want to like lose weight, skip meals, like all of these things are really negatively impacting your fertility. So the best thing that you could do is eat a protein fiber and healthy fat rich breakfast within an hour of waking up. Um, like I would say 30 grams of protein in the morning, whether that's like, a, I'm personally plant-based, but obviously you could do whatever is best for you, but, um, making sure you're having that within an hour of waking up and not fasting. That is really going to impact your fertility because your body is, it's going to mess up your blood sugar. It's going to mess up your cortisol levels. So really making sure that you're having blood sugar balanced meals. That's the free training I do have, which we're talking about off air. Um, it teaches you how to create hormone balanced meals and blood sugar balancing meals. So I'll give that link to you and you could put it in the show notes. Notes. It's a free training. I pulled it from my course and it's just, it's completely free to teach you really how to create hormone and blood sugar balancing meals. Um, but really making sure that you're doing that in, for breakfast in the morning before you have coffee. I would prefer for you to not have coffee um, because it will reduce your fertility. Um, there's like studies that show that um, we, even with IVF, like people who had caffeine and alcohol reduces their chances of a successful IVF transfer if they consume coffee and alcohol than people who didn't. So, um, that's another thing that I really would like for you to look at is if, first of all, have your breakfast first, if you are still having coffee, make sure that you have it after you have that blood sugar balanced meal. Um, and then really take a look at your caffeine and your alcohol intake because alcohol increases your estrogen levels by 10% per drink that you're having. So some people will be like, Oh, I only have like a drink a weekend or, I have like organic red wine once in a while, like I'm doing it here and there, but it's like, if you're really working on your fertility, like honestly, it has to go. Um, and some people don't like that, but that's just really the truth of it because it's going to impact your blood sugar. It's going to impact your liver. It's going to hinder your fertility, especially if you've been trying for a while, or you really want to not be someone who has to try for a while. Like these are things that you really want to look at. Um, because if your estrogen levels are in excess and that's what happens when you're drinking a lot, that means that your ratio between your estrogen and your progesterone levels are off. And progesterone is the hormone that holds on to, that helps you get pregnant and holds on to the pregnancy. So we want to make sure that those progesterone levels are up and supported. And when your estrogen is too high, it's just going to have too big of a gap in between those two, um, hormonal levels. So that's something else that I really, um, would love for you to prioritize. Wow. I mean, I could go on and on and on. So just let me know. I did not stop. know that about <laughs> alcohol increasing it per drink. That's yes. fascinating. Okay. Yes. That's yeah. Like very, very um, enlightening. I have worked on eating more um, before having coffee, but 
I have a hard time like getting 30 grams in because I, I wake up early to have personal mm-hmm. time before my kid wakes up and I'll have like mm-hmm. a bar that has 20 grams of protein with coffee. Um, but I'm working on slowly like spacing that out, adding more tea with the coffee, reducing coffee. It is yes. Hard. Oh, that's huge. Oh my God. So then like, don't worry if like you haven't got pregnant yet. There's so many things you could earn. You could shift yeah, to support it. Try. So yeah. it's like, yes, exactly. That's what I always tell people. I'm like, there's always things we could do. Yes. And it's like, it's, you don't want to like overwhelm yourself, but I think that totally. like some of these tangible things are really, really supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and if you about- like, sorry, really quick too, because a lot of my clients will be like, I just like the, not even for the caffeine, but I like the habit of having coffee. Um, there's a really good brand called purity coffee. And the, first of all, coffee is loaded with pesticides and stuff too. So you really want to make sure that it's organic when you are consuming it, but they have a decaf blend. It's called like a calm blend and it tastes like straight coffee but it's decaffeinated. Um, so if you just like the taste of it and stuff, I would recommend you check that out. They also have like the mushroom coffees, like rise and stuff like that. But, um, just so you can like replace that habit with something else, I think is, is an easier swap for people. Okay. Amazing. And then what about once someone is pregnant? I think there's always that moment of like, Oh my God, I'm pregnant. And then you're like, Oh, what? Like, it's like so exciting. And then you're just kind of like your brain starts racing. I'm like, do I need to cut out coffee? Like, do I need to take a different prenatal? Like mm-hmm. what, what's going on? Like what are the top priorities for that first trimester? Yeah. This is why I'm so huge on like educating ourselves before, because like when I got pregnant, I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I don't have that stress of like, oh, like I don't have to change everything that I'm doing. I'm like, I'm just eating a little bit more and like, we're good. Um, so if you shouldn't have to change your prenatal, like the prenatal that you're taking before, if it's like a high, I personally like needed, that's the one that I use, but obviously you could use whichever one you like, but that's the one that I recommend. You shouldn't have to change it. Like for preconception and pregnancy, it should be the same one. Um, as long as it's like a high quality one so that you should be good with. Um, the things that you want to, I personally, I know they say you could do like a cup of coffee and stuff during it. Like I would just not like, I, I, And I also say this too, like the things that you're quote unquote, not supposed to do when you're pregnant, if you're trying to get pregnant, I wouldn't do those things, right? Like you don't drink when you're pregnant. So it's like, let's not drink when we're trying to get pregnant. Um, You don't have five cups of coffee a day when you're pregnant. Let's not do that when you're not pregnant. Cause like you should just be doing the same things. Um, But anyway, so really things that are important, it, it does shift from trimester to trimester, but in that first trimester, it could be really hard and people will freak out. Like I'm so nauseous. I can't eat anything. Like what is going on? That's why I'm like, don't worry so much in that first trimester because the baby is getting the majority of the nutrients off of your nutrient stores, which is why, again, it's so important to build yourself up first. Um, but always prioritizing the protein, the fiber and the healthy fat at every single meal so that you can reduce your chances of gestational diabetes, which is obviously common. and something we don't want to get when we're pregnant because that's medication you don't want to take when you're pregnant. Um, that free training that I, that I said that will teach you how to do that. So you want to carry that principle with you throughout pregnancy. Um, but making sure that you're focusing specifically in your, in your second trimester too, you really want to up your protein intake and your healthy fat intake. Um, so focusing on that. So like a lot of beans, I had a ton cause I'm particularly plant-based, um, making sure you're having at least, I don't even know, like 80 to hundred grams of protein a day, I would say like bare minimum, obviously that's going to depend on your size and your activity. So that level could definitely be higher, but you really want to focus on that. 
um, and having healthy fats like avocados, hemp seeds, chia seeds, flax seeds. Like that's really important for brain development. Um, all of that is, and I go into more specifics of these things I'm talking about in that training. So definitely go watch it so you can get more, um, like ideas with that. But, um, as far, sorry, what other questions did you ask of what not to do during pregnancy? Yeah. Or just anything that you would recommend people add in for that first trimester. Oh, for the first trimester specifically. Okay. Um, Okay, sure. Calcium is really important in the first trimester. I so- crave cheese and I was like, I never want it was like my body couldn't. And then when I got sick of cheese, I started craving Indian food because they have like a lot of like milk-based sauces and stuff. Yeah. And my yeah, body was like so funny. You need calcium. Yeah. <laughs> it could also have been like a healthy fat thing that your body was craving yes. too. Um, so that's why like a lot of like hummus is really great for like calcium too. So like, um, sesame, uh, like whether it's like, sorry, hummus or sesame seed butter is like really good that you could implement. Cause like a lot of times you want just like little snacks in your first trimester, you might not want that like big meal. So having like a lot of like things like that would be helpful. Um, and the healthy fats, like I was just saying too, because that's going to support that like need that you want that for, cause there's so much brain development and stuff like that going on. Um, but what you want to do too, in that first trimester to avoid the nausea, first of all, the prenatal, making sure you have a high amount of B6 in your prenatal is going to help reduce your chances of nausea in there and creating these blood sugar balanced meals and eating more frequently. So having like tinier meals more frequently is going to be really helpful for you. That's honestly throughout your entire pregnancy. Um, cause it will help you give the baby more consistent caloric intake too, instead of just like a big meal and then not a lot and a big meal, which is like more so what I do when I wasn't pregnant, but when I was pregnant, it's like, I was eating kind of not small meals, but like just more frequently. Um, yeah. and that could help a lot too, with the nausea and stuff in, um, in your first trimester. But honestly, what I say with my clients too, in the first trimester, like eat what you can eat. Cause a lot yeah. of times they're like, I don't want greens. I can't stomach it. I'm like, we'll worry about all of that. Like in your second trimester, when you're like, I'm feeling good again, I could get more of that stuff in. Um, I mean, there's so much that goes into it, but yeah. Oh my gosh. So helpful. I think there's just I think a lot of women are becoming more empowered around their health and fertility or getting pregnant is a year out. They're starting to think about this. Which is awesome. Yeah, I agree. And I know I was that way. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's people who haven't thought about it and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. So I love the content you put out. I'm so grateful that we got to sit down because this has been so helpful for me. And I know it'll be so helpful for other people. Um, but where can people find you? It'll all be in the show notes, but I like for people, if they're running, driving, um, to hear how they can work with you, where they can find you, your podcast, all of it. Yes. Okay. So I'm um, mostly on Instagram for socials at Corinne Angelica. My podcast, I would highly recommend it's called the mind your hormones podcast. We have like almost 400 episodes, like so much content over there. And I don't know, but like for, for me, when I was looking for like more health-based fertility-based podcasts, a lot of them are like super boring or like really science based. And I'm like, oh, this is like, I just like can't even get through it. Excuse me. So it's like, you're talking to like a best friend. I'm giving you like a lot of science-backed information with like simple action steps, but like in a fun way to consume it. So it's really, really awesome. So mind your hormones podcast, um, at Grangelic on Instagram. If you want to work with me, I have obviously a bunch of different ways we can work together, but what I would always recommend, whether you are wanting to get off hormonal birth control, you want to prepare your body first, whether you're wanting to get pregnant, whether you're currently pregnant, whether you're postpartum, like you've been trying to conceive, whatever it is, is my digital course, the mind your hormones method, which there is some coaching involved with me in that as well. Um, and this is like 
just literally your step-by-step guide of how to live a hormone healthy lifestyle. And the reason, the thing that is so amazing about this is that we're not, I don't spot treat hormones. So it's like, it doesn't matter if you're, you have low estrogen or low progesterone or high estrogen or your thyroid is off because our hormones respond to the systems in our body, right? The, the root cause of the issue isn't the hormone. It's the system that's off. That's causing our hormones to respond in a certain way. So in the mind, your hormones method, we work on the systems in our body that need to be optimized in order for you to have balanced hormones. So we're working on your blood sugar, your nutrient density, your nervous system, like all this stuff, um, which is why no matter what, your issue is, it's going to be covered within this course. Um, so that is what I would highly recommend. And then obviously I would love to actually hear from you and chat with you. And I could help you decide if like, you're like, Oh, I don't know if this is best fit for me, or you want to work more closely together, whatever it is. Um, I love hearing from you. So just come contact me and DM me on Instagram at Corinne Angelica. And I would love to chat with you and know that you came from here. Um, I always love hearing from you. Amazing. Well, we'll put all of that in the show notes and uh, thank you again for your time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me.